The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. Welcome to She Was The Fire. I'm your host, Courtney Mangan, business owner, productivity enthusiast, pop culture addict, and three-time cancer fighter. This podcast is a go-to guide for women looking for advice and hacks on how to ignite her fire, own her crown, organize her schedule, and live her best damn life, whatever that means. Hello, sunshine, and welcome to episode three of season three. This week, I have turned 35 years old, so I thought I might do a bit of a fun episode with 35 lessons I have learnt as I turn 35. So before we get into it, as always, call to action. Please follow me on Instagram at Courtney Mangan if you're not doing so already and tag me showing me how you're listening to this podcast. All right, let's talk about what I've been up to. So I've actually been quite busy this week. So firstly, I have been like really trying to focus on things to look forward to. So, you know, when you're going through a hard time, which obviously like this whole waiting game that I'm having to do now to see when and if my cancer grows back, um, I'm just really trying to make sure that I'm like focusing on the positive and the good in every day. And so one of those things that helps me remain positive is to like have things to look forward to, whether they're big or small. Um, And at the moment, I've had a few big things to look forward to. So the other day I had the Flawed and Fabulous live event. So a podcast that I produce with my friend Ash is called Flawed and Fabulous, which is all about grief, loss and trauma. And she held a live event. I was one of the speaking guests and there was a whole bunch of other amazing women. And we were all up there talking about something major that has happened in our lives and sort of how we have grown, changed, um, whatever it is through that trauma, grief or loss. And so, yeah, it's really heavy, but it's also like quite inspirational to hear everybody's story of resilience. And I just loved being a part of that event because it did help so many people. That podcast does help a lot of women feel seen and heard, which is something I think all of us just want so that you don't feel alone in what you're going through. And although, you know, grief, loss and trauma can be very isolating, hearing other people going through something similar or something you can relate to does really help. And that event was really amazing. I had some people come up to me afterwards and tell, you know, stories about how their mother had passed away from melanoma and what I was doing was like really amazing and she would have loved that I was like advocating for sun safety or someone said that it inspired them to go get you know a skin checks that was amazing and there were just some amazing speakers I was very honored to be on that stage with those women and so I just I loved the bloody live podcast event maybe one day my podcast will get to the point where I can do a live event as well and then the next big thing that I did you would have seen was the Mangan Company retreat so the Mangan Company is just basically the group of all the businesses that Sam and I own or Sam and Emily Sky own together. And we have all of our staff get together for a night away and we played some amazing games and challenges. So if you follow on my Instagram, you would know that regularly I play sort of games and challenges with my staff and they just really love that sort of like team bonding. It just gets them, you know, a little bit of time away from work where they can focus on something fun. It could be, you know, Pictionary that we play. It's just like 20 minutes in the morning once a week and it's not a big deal, but it's just something a bit fun. And so after I'd started doing that, we realized that we wanted to kind of do it on a bigger scale. And Sam said to me, like, let's do like 
like really go hard out for this and do like a survivor challenge, a creative challenge, and then a trivia night. So if you know anything about me, you know that I am like survivor is everything to me. I have seen every episode of Survivor America. Some of them I've seen twice. I've seen every episode of Australia Survivor. I'm just like obsessed with that show. And I've been like that since a teenager. And so living this in real life was just like a dream come true for me. Obviously, I could never truly be on Survivor because, you know, like SPF as the sun, that would be crazy. And also, I don't think that I'm even cut out for a game like that. But being able to do it on this scale with all of our team, it was just such a wonderful day because we are all so close here at the Mangan Company. We're close with everyone. We all get along. And a lot of that is because we do hire our friends and family and then we hire like based on their recommendation, their friends and family. And so it's just like this big circle of people who mostly all know each other, a few outliers that didn't know us to begin with and we hired from scratch that now have become like part of our family as well. And it was just like a wonderful occasion. The best part was that my team won the Survivor Challenge and like I had to win that Survivor Challenge. In the first 10 minutes, I fell flat on my face. Um, I had to run and my body had a little bit more momentum than my feet could keep up with. So that was embarrassing, but I recovered and we still won that individual challenge. So that was lucky. So I still didn't, I didn't like fully shame myself. I recovered there and, you know, still got one for the team. So that was good. But it was just, I don't know, like I just felt so happy and it's been like a really hard few months for me and just having that day where it was just like all my favorite people doing all my favorite things. It was just so special. My team also won the trivia challenge, which was like, I actually felt a lot of pressure when people sat down with me and they realized they were in my team. They were like, oh, great. We're in your team for trivia. Oh, and I was like, oh shit, I better be good at this because everybody's expecting me to be good. So there was a lot of pressure on my shoulders, but we did win. It was a real team effort. So it was amazing. And then the creative challenge was just like, I really loved how everybody just got stuck in. We had to create like a Met Gala look with all these like crazy materials. We had to do hair and makeup on one of the people in our team and Amy did it for us. And then in the other two teams, we had Adam and Bruno, like good on them. They were like fine with getting dressed up in like women's clothes, getting their makeup and hair done, like like I just love that and Amy was a real trooper like for us to put the dress on her we had to like get right up in there it was very intimate like trying to sew things on her her skirt was very short we're trying to get up in there and hem things it was like very full-on so all three of them were such troopers and everybody participated so you had to like come up with a song and come up with like all the symbolism and so there was always like someone's making a headpiece or someone's doing someone's hair or making the dress or cutting the song together figuring out what the speech was going to be so there was just so many elements of it and everybody got stuck in. And that's what I love the most about our team, that whether like creativity is your thing, whether sporting events is your thing or whether trivia is your thing, it doesn't matter because everybody gets in and has a go. And so it was just like the best. I'm so happy. I can't wait for next year because it's going to be an annual thing. Everybody just had such a great time. And yeah, it'll be definitely something that I remember for a very long time. And I definitely feel like I am at that point in my life just because I don't know where this this cancer road is taking me, that I am trying to really live in the moment and remember the amazing moments that I do have. And so this was a very special one. Okay, let's get into this week's fire starter. And I thought that since this is just an episode all about things I've learned, things I like and stuff like that, that I would do just a song that I love that always gets me fired up. And that is Tribute by Tenacious D. Yeah. 
Now, this is a song that <laughs> I don't even know why, but I know every single word to it. Like if I had to do karaoke, this is probably one of the songs I would do. Um, and I remember I was on set a few years ago. So this was before we had like videographer and we had a big team. It was basically just Lang and I and Sam. And we used to have a client where we'd film like workout videos. So it was like a pharmacy and they would do like health related stuff. And so we would film like cooking videos, workout videos, makeup videos, a whole heap of stuff. And so we were filming that day at a house and I was filming a workout video. And because it's like someone just doing a workout, you actually don't need to film any sound. So we're going to put sound over the top, just like a fun music. So on the day we were just playing like a normal playlist and we're all talking while the person was doing their workout. And um, as we were recording, Tenacious D was playing and I was standing like right next to the camera as it was recording the whole time. And without me even realizing, I was singing like all the words to tribute like really closely to the camera speaker. And so then a few weeks later when Lang went to edit the footage, all she could hear was like me belting out Tenacious D in this video. Anyway, so um, obviously we muted that because we didn't want to scar anybody for life with my singing voice. So that is this week's Firestarter. All right, let's ignite today's topic. 35 lessons I learned as I turned 35. Now, these are in absolutely no particular order, and I've done like just a bunch of fun ones, more serious ones, and um, we'll just go through it. It'll just be a mix of fun, serious throughout the whole thing. There's no structure. I just wrote them all down as I was thinking of it, and I'm just going to share it from you straight off the top of my head as I was doing them. All right, number one, you have to be your own best friend. What you think matters, be kind to yourself. This is so true, and I've talked about it many times on my podcast, and it's something that I am learning more and more and more, that your thoughts, you know, your, your brain is where you live, and your life can be greatly impacted by your outlook and your attitude. And if you are really negative to yourself all the time, it can really damage your self-esteem and your self-worth and you allow that self-doubt to really impact your life and your confidence. And I really have learned over the past few years that confidence seriously does come from within. You know, I'm not going to lie, obviously parts of confidence can be from external things, of course. You know, your looks is what I mean, like physical things, external from what you're thinking. <laughs> um, but your brain is just so important. You can be the hottest woman in the world, bloody supermodel, and still if you have mental health issues and you're just not healthy on the inside, as in like what you're thinking every single day and you're talking down to yourself, it's not going to matter because you're going to be so insecure. And so it just is like, I don't know, the more people I meet and the more people I talk to about this issue, the more women that I have this discussion with, it just really reminds me that which it's just so important to be our own best friends because some of the things that I've said to myself in the past, I would never say out loud to another person. And so why would I allow it to be in my own brain and to fester and to live there? And why am I thinking of myself in such a negative way? You know, and now that I've started to be accountable for my thoughts, sometimes you can't control having them. Of course, that's like, I don't even understand how you would control having a thought, like stop yourself from having it. I don't get how that would happen. But the point is, is that once I do have it, I, I recognize it and then I'm able to kind of like flood it with the counter argument. And that's sort of where it all starts for me. Number two, having good health is something that you shouldn't take for granted. Look, I don't need to stay on this topic for very long. I think we all know why I'm saying that, but really tapping into your health is so key. I think that when you are young and there is nothing wrong that you can tell, you tend to just think everything is fine. 
but it's really important to be listening to your body and being your own advocate when you are going to the doctors if you feel like if something is wrong. I think that's one of the hard things as to why it, it is hard for me to get people across the line on getting a skin check because you go to the doctor when something's wrong. That's how we all do it, right? You have a sore leg, you have a sore throat, you have an itchy eye, whatever it is. You go to the doctor when something is wrong, not preemptively. So that's why it's hard to remind people to get these like cervical cancer and, you know, cervical screening tests and the skin tests and all that kind of stuff, because you don't think there's anything wrong until there's symptoms. And that's not how things always work. So it's just important to just stay on top of your health and really appreciate that and not take it for granted by just wasting it when you do have something and you just try and ignore it. The amount of people who I know, including myself, who have seen a suspicious mole and just took way too long to go get it checked or have had like gut issues and just didn't go and see any doctors or saw one doctor and, you know, they said, oh, you're fine, never mind. And then didn't like trust themselves to keep going. So back to get like a second opinion. It's just really important that you are kind of at one with your body and you understand that if there are changes that and you feel like something might be wrong, that you pursue that with a doctor and get it looked at. Or if there's nothing wrong and you're getting these regular tests, like it's just a good idea to get a checkup of the doctor, get your bloods checked every now and again, you know, get your skin checks, get your cervical screening tests, all of these things, because you don't appreciate it until it's gone and you never think it's going to happen to you. So just getting a little top up every now and again, you know how you send your car in for a service, send yourself in. All right. Number three, I will never have too much Tupperware, which is so funny that I wrote this because I wrote this list a couple of weeks ago and I've just pulled it out today. And I just, oh my gosh, I just grabbed a bag. My mom just gave me like a big bag of Tupperware because I bring Tupperware to work and then it goes in the dishwasher at work and I never remember to bring it home again. And I have a whole like, you know, those Woolworths green bags that you can buy. I have like a whole bag of that just full of Tupperware because I just like, I leave it wherever I go. It's ridiculous, but I always want more. Whenever I see Tupperware on sale, I'm like, oh, maybe I need some more Tupperware. I do not need more Tupperware. Courtney, you do not need more Tupperware, but I will just never have too much. That's something I've learned about myself. It's utterly ridiculous. Number four, a leopard can change their spots. And I think that this one has been really insightful for me because I always thought, you know, who you are is you're kind of set in stone and you can't change and once a cheater, always a cheater, all of those kinds of things. But I am learning more now that things are not black and white and things are gray and people can grow and they can change. And now I find it to be a little bit of a cop out when people say, that's just me. I'm not changing that. I can't change that. You know, like I, you know, I have this certain personality trait and I can't change it. That's who I am. And I don't actually think that that's true. I think that if you want something enough, then you can change on that. Yes, it might be something that you always have to work on, but you can change it. So I think that it's important to know that when you work hard on something. So it's like, for example, um, you know, if I say like, I can't play tennis. Sorry, it's just who I am. I can't play tennis, but I could go to get some tennis lessons. Like, sure, I'm not going to be Serena Williams, but I could learn how to play tennis like far better. Yeah. Anyway, so if there's something about yourself that you think like there's a personality trait or a skill or something that you don't have, you know, obviously that within reason, there are many things that you can still work on and grow. I just don't like the idea that we are who we are forever and that we don't grow and change and that you can't change if you really want to. And the more and more 
the older I get, the more I believe that actually is something that is not true. You can change, you can grow. It's not easy, but if you want it, you can do it. Number five, getting petrol is the worst and it always will be. I will never be okay with getting petrol. It will always be the bane of my existence. I will always leave it till the latest possible moment to do it. And I will always do it begrudgingly every single time. I remember that um, one of my friends, when they broke up with their partner, um, he'd said to me like, oh, I used to always go and get her petrol. And I was like, wow, that is goals, like actual goals. How do I get me a partner that just goes and fills up my tank for me when it's low? Like maybe I do need a boyfriend. So I just like, I don't know why, but it's just such, it's a nothing task. You just get out of your car for two seconds, fill it up and then go into the, like it's nothing, but it's just the most annoying thing. I also live in an area where petrol stations, I don't pass a petrol station any like at all when I go to work. So I have to go out of my way, but it's like literally two minutes out of my way. It is not far. Um, And so I find that to be like really annoying. It's completely bratty behavior, but like who else is with me? Who else hates like putting petrol in their car? I will tell you a little game changer that I got from Mitch Orville the other day. So when you take out the, like the cap that covers your petrol tank, you can actually put that cap in the, the handle of the petrol bowser and it makes the petrol, like you don't have to hold it because it's so heavy, it's so heavy and tight. And I'm always like having to give my hand like a bit of a, a, a stretch halfway through. When you hold it, it takes forever to do it. So I shove in like the petrol lid into the, like the handle and it's enough width to kind of keep the pressure so that the petrol just keeps going in. It's fabulous. Life-changing. Give that a whirl. All right. Number six, Loyalty. Loyalty is everything. And the more and more um, I have friendships that continue to grow, the older that I get, I see how important you know, in my business, I see how important loyalty is and to have people that will stand behind you no matter what. Um, but, you know, on the side, say to you like, oh, Courtney, that's probably not a good decision. But to everybody else, they're like a they're there standing behind you, giving you the support that you need. Loyalty just can be everything. It's having that sense of security that no matter what you say or what you do, there will be people there to support you and they will, you know, they can still give their opinions and say, I don't agree with what you're doing here, but they still love you regardless and they're loyal to you no matter what happens. I think that's just so important. Number seven, not everyone is going to like you and that is okay. I have been learning over the last few years, especially to not let outside opinions establish the value that I place on myself and my own choices. It's really hard sometimes to think like, you know, someone might not like you. And we all, I don't know why, but we all have this need that like when you meet someone to give them a great first impression and have them like fall in love with you. And if they don't, it's like, oh God, like what did I do wrong? Why didn't they like me? Didn't they laugh at my joke? Don't they think I'm funny? What does it matter? as long as you're not nasty to anyone, obviously. But if you're just being yourself and that's not somebody else's jam, oh, well, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like some people like Vegemite. Some people don't like Vegemite. I'm not sure why I chose Vegemite for that analogy, but that example. But it's so true. Like not everybody is going to be everyone else's taste. Some people like baggy jeans. Some people like tight jeans. Like everybody has different tastes and styles and things they like. And often it's nothing to do with you. It's just always to do with what that person likes and you're not everybody's cup of tea. There's so many food analogies going on. So yeah, moral of the story is do not let anybody's opinions of you affect the way you think about yourself. 
All right, number eight, you are the people who you surround yourself with and they will impact your mental health. I've talked about this many times before that if you are in a toxic relationship, if you have toxic people around you and that is who you are spending your time with, if you're around someone who is always really negative, if you're around someone who's always in competition with you, if you're around someone who just like doesn't you know, make you feel good when you're around them. That is the energy you're letting into your space and that will start to impact your mental health. So you need to protect yourself. And it's really important to surround yourself with people who make you happy, make you feel supported, make you feel loved, make you feel like they're on your team because everybody needs someone. You know what I mean? Whether it's your partner or it's your family or your friends, everybody needs somebody out there that has their back. And if you are surrounding yourself and your five closest people that you are that are in your life are not those positive kind of people, it can really impact you and start to change and chip away at your own personality because you do kind of become the people that you're around all of the time. So I think that's really important. And as I've said before, it also is around your social media. If you're consuming someone's content every single day that's not healthy for your mental well-being, you need to either mute their account or block them or delete them. All right, next up, number nine, the pressure to eat birthday cake is unnecessary. It's ridiculous. When you're at work, when you're at parties, whatever it is, when it's not your birthday, everybody has to eat the person's birthday cake. I don't want the cake. I don't want the cake. Stop trying to push the cake on me. People become like cake pushers on birthdays because they're trying to get rid of the cake mostly. Like we've bought this big cake. Someone has to take pieces of it. And everyone's like, eat the cake. I'll just have a bit of the cake. How many people go like, oh, I'll just have a slither because nobody really wants the cake. I mean, some people do, but sometimes it's like, I'm just not in the mood for cake and I just don't want the cake, but you feel this pressure. It's weird, isn't it? And I know this is a weird thing to whinge about, but I don't really like cake. Fun fact, I love brownies, love a cupcake, don't like cake much. I'm not sure why. I'm not really sure exactly what is the difference, but I just know that there is one (laughs) with a brownie and a cake and a cupcake and a cake. And I don't want the birthday cake. I don't want it. Thank you, though. Even when I've had my own birthday cakes, I kind of had begrudgingly eaten them. Okay. And it is very nice. I appreciate it when people get me a birthday cake. And I love, I love the process of like people coming around and singing happy birthday and then you're blowing out the candles, you know, pre-COVID. I loved that vibe. And last year, I think for my birthday, I shared like a video of me when I was like two and there was like, my parents had video, videoed it and the people were singing happy birthday to me and bringing the cake out to me in my face. Like, it was just, I was a Leo in that moment. Like everyone says what a Leo is and I'm not sure I believe much in that kind of stuff. But if you're picking a Leo, that was me in that video because I'm just like, I'm the center of attention. I'm just loving everyone singing to me. I love that part of the birthday cake, but the eating part, not so much. Number 10, eating breakfast alone is the best. You should go on a date with yourself. I am obsessed with having breakfast by myself. You see me, I go to Tarte pretty much every single weekend and most of those is by myself. I just love sitting there. I just put music in my earphones and I just people watch. I know most people will be like on their phones and sometimes I am on my phone, but some of the time just sitting there, just staring at what's happening. And I love it. It's just, even though I'm alone most of the time and I'm single, I have had friends who go and do this that are in relationships and they love, even when they have kids, just that alone time to bring their laptop, get some work done, or just sit there and do things on their phone. Or just sit there in silence, just watching everyone around them. I don't know what it is about breakfast, but it's like maybe you're just starting the day with like a good 
bit of calm that's really nice, but I really love doing it for breakfast and just kind of being one with me and hearing my own thoughts and just sitting there to take a moment and just take in some yummy food and nice surroundings. And yeah, I highly recommend that. Breakfast alone is wonderful. Number 11, never be afraid to ask for help. And that's something I have talked a lot about. And I am the first person to be like, help. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing when it's a question. I'll never kind of like try and do things without knowing what's going on. I'll always be the person that reads the instructions. Even when I buy new hair and shampoo shampoo and conditioner, I will read the instructions. Like the, never has there ever been a different instruction on a hair shampoo and conditioner, but I'll read it every time because I want to know exactly what I'm doing. Or when you really need help, you know, like I, I'm not going to like be ridiculous because I have done a lot of stuff through this cancer thing where you know, there are times where it's like, yeah, I should have probably taken my mum up on the offer for her to make me dinner. But there's something about this cancer process where I feel I've lost control and my ability for my independence. And so me, you know, taking making that extra effort when I don't feel like doing it, but still making my own dinner rather than accepting someone else actually helps me mentally as well. So it's kind of, a, it sounds confusing and I don't really understand it either, but I'm not doing it because it's like, oh no, I don't want to ask for help. It's because it's like, no, I, I, I need to do this for myself. So there are definitely some cases like that, but in most parts, it's like, I, I've seen staff sit there and struggle. I'm like, what's happening? They're like, I don't know what to do here. I'm like, why didn't you just ask for help? I could have told you that in two seconds or, you know, friends who are just struggling so badly. And I'm like, go and speak to someone, like go and get some help. Like, it's just, no one needs to walk this earth alone. There are people that can help you. And whether it's a family or a friend, mem a family member or a friend, or it's someone professional that you need to pay to help you or use government, you know, there's obviously like Medicare and stuff and they can help get you therapists through that. You get, you know, I think it's eight to 10 free sessions a year. So ask for help, guys. There's no, when you, at the end of this road, when we're all on our deathbeds, no one's handing out awards for doing it all alone. They don't say, oh, Courtney, she was super independent. Let's give her the award for doing it alone. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. Get the help. Life is hard. It's hard for all of us. There's a shit show for some people. It's better for others, whatever it is, but get support when you can. Ask for help. And when people offer it to you, bloody accept it. No shame. We all need help. It takes a village just to bloody live, not just raise kids. It takes a bloody village. All right, next up, number 12. There is no perfect timeline for your life. Live by your own rules. And this is something I've had to really remind myself of. And even again, the other day, my one of my closest friends has had her first child. And that has just reminded me again that I'm not on the right timeline. Now, all of my friends have had kids that were like, I went to school with. And it just reminds you again, I have to be like, no, Courtney, I'm not, that's not the timeline I want for my life. And that's okay. Just because society tells me that's what I should want. It's not what I do want. And that's not going to make me happy. What I'm doing makes me happy live by my own rules. And I have to tell myself that because it is hard to know sometimes what society is teaching you and has taught you and, you know, I guess, brainwash you to believe you should do as a woman. I'm not going to deny that the biological clock is a bit of a different case. Um, and so if you really do want children, I do recommend that you get your fertility looked at. So if you are around that 30 age, I've seen so many, we're taught for so long as young women 
to prevent pregnancy. It's all about getting the pill and being sa- having safe sex, all that kind of stuff so that you can't get pregnant. You focus so much in your 20s about not getting pregnant, not getting pregnant. And then all of a sudden in your 30s, you're just supposed to flick a switch and get pregnant straight away. And it's not that easy for a lot of women because we weren't thinking about our fertility back then. So I think that if you are looking, you know, I was shocked to know that when I went to get my fertility looked at because of all my cancer stuff, that I had like nothing going on down there, that I was very, very bad situation fertility wise. And they could barely stimulate anything for me to get any eggs to freeze. Thankfully they did in the end, they got six and that's obviously not the ideal outcome, but I didn't know at all that I had fertility issues and there's no symptoms. There was no signs of me having issues until I went and got the test. So that is not a lesson that I wrote down today, but I do want to just impress upon you that if you are, you know, in your early 30s and you do want to have kids, that I think that you should start to speak to someone now, just a female doctor, because I, look, I don't know like how much it costs and all of that, but I know there is a blood test you can take that they can have a look at like what's going on with like your fertility numbers. So I just think it's something that women need to take a little bit more seriously if it's something that they do want for their life. And if it's not, then each to their own. Don't think it's going to happen for me. That's for sure. But it is something I need to remember that I'm not doing the same timeline as my friends. You know, my friends are having kids. Sorry, they're getting married. They're having kids. They're buying houses, some in that order, some in different orders, whatever it is. But there's just this pressure to have that exact timeline. And if I don't own my house and I don't have a husband and I don't have children, have I failed? And it's hard sometimes because I don't feel like I've failed within me, but externally, I feel like I'm being seen as a failure. And that's really hard. It's hard to remind yourself that what society has taught you is not what it actually means to me. So just remember that there's no such thing as a perfect timeline and you've got to live by your own rules. Number 13, cheap shoes are more comfortable than the most expensive shoes. That's just a fact. My most comfortable heels are from famous footwear and spend less shoes. My most uncomfortable heels were from Louboutin and Valentino. Number 14, trend pieces can be cheap, staple, spend more. So that's what I'm trying to do because I'm getting really sucked into fashion at the moment. I just can't stop myself. And I think it's that like instant gratification to make myself happy, which is not ideal. So I need to sort that out, but I'm recognizing it. And that's the main thing. But I am finding that if it's going to be something trend-driven, then I, I'm happy to spend cheaper kind of dollars on it. But when I was buying a lot of jumpers last year, I bought a whole heap from H&M. And then this year, they're just like really shitty quality when I got them out of the cupboard. And I was like, oh, God. So instead of spending 20 30 40 bucks on a jumper, I'm now getting them from like, you know, a better jumper, like from Cotton On, not Cotton On, oh, my God, Country Road or places like that where it's just a bit of extra money. Well, not a bit sometimes a lot more money, um, but I know they're going to last a lot longer. And so I'd rather buy less jumpers that are going to last longer than have like heaps of trend driven ones that are only going to last me one season anyway. So I'm just trying to like get better at the ways in which I spend my money. So I'm just trying to really look at my cupboard and I'm failing at this epically, but I it's still a lesson that I know. <laughs> but I'm not doing great at it, where I'm trying to be a bit more strategic with the things that I buy because I am finding the cheaper stuff I am buying is falling apart a lot. So I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to buy jeans, I'm going to want to wear for a while. 
then I need to buy more expensive ones than the cheapy ones. But if I'm buying like asymmetrical jeans that are going to go out of fashion in a season or whatever it is, maybe I'll just spend a smaller amount on those. That's just an example. Number 15, do something outside of your comfort zone when you were young. The fact that I went to England when I was 17, went there for six months, didn't have like a return ticket, didn't know what I was doing, didn't have a plan, traveled around with friends and by myself at some points is insane to me that that is my personality like that I did that, I would never do that now. I would be terrified. And the lesson I have learned is that we, as you're an adult, you get more and more scared of taking risks. I think when you're young and free and you don't have responsibilities, you're like more open to taking those kinds of risks and growing and stepping out of your comfort zone and doing fun things. And the older you get, the more responsibilities, the more examples you've got of things that didn't quite go right, or you've heard stories from friends, whatever it is that you just don't want to step outside your comfort zone. So if if you're young and you're listening to this, do it then because you're going to get scared when you're older to do anything. <laughs> but if you're not scared and you are older, bloody go for it. Keep going. Get outside that comfort zone. I just feel like, you know, when you're younger, like even when you go to uni, you're younger and you make friends so easily. Whereas now it's like trying to make new friends is terrifying now that I'm a full-blown adult, you know, trying to get out there and make friends with someone, you know, small talk with someone I barely know. When you're at uni, you were doing it left, right and centre. It was fine at school. You don't care. You just take all these, you're always out of your comfort zone because everything is out. It's all new. It's a whole new world where it's like nothing's new anymore. So I'm just like staying in my little, my little box. So that's my lesson there. Next up, number 16, the person who continuously makes the same mistakes after apologizing isn't actually sorry and you need to now look within you <laughs> because you allowing them to continue to make those mistakes, it's on you now. You know, it's that whole like fool me once, it's your fault, fool me twice, shame on me or whatever it is. Oh, my God, I'm like I've literally butchered that. I can't even think about what that fool me once shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Is that it? I don't even know what it is. Anyway, embarrassing. But it's so true that if someone continuously does the same thing to you and treats you badly and they keep apologizing and that happens a lot, but I'm so sorry, please forgive me, it won't happen again. And then they do it again. They're full of it. Their apology means nothing, empty promises, because they're not actually sticking to their word. And sometimes what you say is doesn't mean as much as what you actually do. Look at the person's actions, because if they continue to do it and you keep accepting it, it then becomes something that is your fault. Next up, if you need to find magical healing powers, you can find them in a shower or in spontaneous dance. And that's so true for me. Whenever I'm having a really bad day, you know, or I'm just like in a really bad mood, just that shower is so cleansing. There's something so magical about a shower. I know like the shower I had after my surgery was just like, oh my gosh, the shower the day I found out that I had my cancer back was just like, oh, there's just something so magical. There's, I don't even know how to describe it water. There's something about water. And I don't know, I'm going to give you like a really specific example that you may not even know, but there's an episode in the TV show Offspring where, and it's just something that I always think about where I'm not going to give any spoilers, but like somebody has died. Um, and one of the characters goes, has been through like a very hard time because they're dealing with the death and they go into like a pool and how they you can see the relief on their face from the cleansing of the pool was like 
oh my God, that's exactly what water does. There's just something about water that's like magical. And I, I understand why the Christians chose water to be like the holy thing, the holy water. You're baptized in the water. You know, all the religions are so much around water and I get it. And spontaneous dance, like, come on, how can you not like turn a song on and just dance and just start to feel better? It's that movement, that joy in the, the sounds, the singing along to nostalgic music. There's just something that can just help change your mood. There's something magical about spontaneous dance. Number 19, always, always, always wear sunscreen. No explanation needed. Number 20, baby steps will still get you to where you're going. And I've talked about that many times before. We are always so scared. We're terrified to start anything, start something new. And I think that because of that, we then don't end up doing the things that we want to do because we're scared. And so I have found even if I can just do one little thing in that direction of starting something new or doing some project that I want to do, whatever it is, just that one little step, it just takes that one kickstart movement to kind of get you a little bit of momentum. And you don't have to be a world beater out of the gates. You don't have to go from like, you know, let's say, for example, starting a business. You don't have to start from today to then tomorrow owning an empire, that's not how things work. It's just the first step. Like, are you just change, get, deciding your business name? Are you just adding a logo, colors? Are you just getting the Instagram account? Just the baby steps to get you in the, the start getting some some win, some wins on the board. Is that what you say? <laughs> some runs on the board. I think that's the word. Why can't I do any sayings today? I've literally lost my mind. Um, you get Start just getting some runs on the board. Those baby steps will still get you there more than one big step that you never end up taking. Number 21, when you have that deep nagging feeling like you should say something, say it. This is a quote that I love and I've changed it a little bit to make it because the quote's about men. I've changed it to people because, you know, inclusive. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. And it's so true. So many of us stand by and we see things that are happening that are wrong. It's just those little things sometimes. You know, someone tells a really off joke and you say nothing and you aren't comfortable with it, but you say nothing. I sat at dinner the other night and one of, I was with like a newish kind of group of friends and one of the friends said, um, oh, that's so gay. And the other girl turned to her and said, oh, no, we don't say gay. And she went, oh, yeah, sorry. And I was like, wow, I love that. Because it was like, she was like, she acknowledged that, oh yeah, that's right. We're not supposed to be saying that. And sometimes it is hard. You know, when the words that you grew up with, I grew up with everyone saying like, oh my God, that's so gay. And at the time we weren't trying to be derogatory, but now when you know better, you do better. And so we are trying to change. But when something is so natural and part of your vocabulary, like if you told me right now, I had to take the word like out of my vocab, I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't be able to speak. I just couldn't do it. And I know I say it too much and I don't care because it's how I speak. And at the moment, it's acceptable. <laughs> um, if someone told me I couldn't say it because it was offensive, then we'd be in trouble. But it's I do understand that it can be hard to get you out of those ways. And I really loved the other day. I think it was Demi Lovato. They posted now that they go by they, them. And they said something along the lines of, you know, even I, I when I refer to myself, sometimes I get it wrong and that's okay to 
acknowledge that like, oh, I just stuffed up there, but try to rectify. And I think that that's, that's so true. It's very hard. Nothing is black and white. We're all learning that some of these terms that we used to say and we thought were okay are not okay. The ways we used to refer to our friends by she, he, now they've changed their pronouns and that's okay. And But we've just got to be acknowledging that we're trying. And so that's amazing. And I just really liked that one, that person was like, oh, yeah, that's right. But then the other friend had the confidence to say, that didn't sit right with me when I heard her say that word gay. So I'm going to say something about it. And that is how change eventually happens. And I know, I know I've seen people roll their eyes at me when I say like, oh, no, not that, you know, or no, don't say that anymore. You know what I mean? Like even when I do that, people roll their eyes. I mean, I don't care because if something feels deep in me that that's not right, I want to say something. I want to think that if someone saw something bad happening to me or something unjust happening to me, that they would say something. And so I'd want to be that for other people as well. Number 22, my gut feeling knows it's shit and I'm not going to let anyone gaslight it. (laughs) So I feel like gut feelings are woo-woo, right? Is that kind of what we refer to it as? Like it's like people, it's not a real thing. It's not something scientific that I know of. Maybe there's been some studies, but it's not something tangible. You know, like gut feelings is one of those things that's like, it's not facts. And that's something I've always thought, like it's not fact, but it is a gut feeling. But more and more, the more gut feelings I realized, like I fucking knew that. I didn't trust my gut. That happens all the time because people will gaslight your gut feeling, don't they? It happens all the time where it's like, oh my God, no, don't be crazy. That's not true. That's just what you're feeling. Gut feeling's nothing. We've got to wait for facts. And it's like, no, I'm not going to let you gaslight me. <laughs> my gut feeling knows it's shit. And so I think that that's something that I've learned that I need to like trust my gut a little bit more because I have gone against it so often and it's been the wrong decision. Number 23, Clean sheets are the closest thing to heaven. Is there a better feeling than getting into bed with fresh new sheets? No, there's not. Okay? That's just facts. Number 24, when it comes to skincare, consistency is key. Just like with so many things in life, I have really found that my friends that change up their skincare all the time and they're always trying new things, always have problematic skin. And me who just sticks to that same skincare for years on end, my skin really loves it. Obviously, I'm I'm talking from a place of privilege because I do have good skin and some people's skin, obviously, they have other issues, not just changing their skincare up. And I'm coming from a place of privilege. I understand that. But I do have friends who constantly are changing things. And I think that your skin loves consistency. And so the other thing I know is, is that if you're testing a new product, test one at a time, only one new product a month. Because if you get a new eye cream, a new moisturizer, a new serum, how will you know which one is or isn't working when you've just changed all three products? So that's my like secret to skincare. It's not a secret. Everybody knows it, but nobody listens. (laughs) Skincare consistency. Number 25, friendships will go through ups and downs. And it's like that quote that I've read where it says that people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. 
and you don't need to get everything from one person. And it's so true. It is something that I have learned. And I think that I actually sat in a podcast with Revy Jane today where they were talking about friendships and how society has a lot of space for people going through um, like a, a sexual relationship breakup. So when they break up with their boyfriend, for example, people are very understanding of that, but they're not as understanding when you're going through a friendship breakup and it can be really hard. And there is this kind of thing that when you have a friend, you have a friend forever. And that's not always true. Sometimes you have a friend just for that certain time in your life and sometimes you grow apart. When you become a different person, that might not be right for that point in your life for what you need. They might become a different person that might not align with you as your values, you know. And so I think it's really important to remember that friendships will go through ups and downs. Sometimes people will come in and out of your life and that's okay. And to not put so much pressure that every friend you meet will be there for the rest of your life. And then all of a sudden you've surrounded yourself by people who are just not good for you anymore, that you've outgrown perhaps. And so I think that you need to keep that in mind when you're assessing your friends and go back to that other thing that I talked about where it's like you are the people that you surround yourself with. Number 26, saying yes or maybe when you actually mean no is a really terrible trait. I hate that the most. Just like say, and I do it, we all fucking do it. I'm not going to lie. Like to be ridiculous. It's not just, you know, I'm not blaming everybody else. I'm part of the problem too. I don't do it very often, but it's like, I've become a lot better with like, is that what I want to do? No. So I'm just going to say, no, thank you. (laughs) Rather than, oh yeah, yeah, maybe I can come. And then I'm just going to try and find a way to blow them off later because that's a shit thing. People hate being blown off later and making a plan and then being like last minute, sorry, I can't come. I can't get a babysitter. You know what I mean? I mean, that excuse wouldn't really fly for me, but, um, you know, like whatever it is, um, I can't come, I'm not feeling well, or I got stuck at work, whatever excuse people use. People hate that. I hate it when I have a plan and then it just gets like, cancelled and it was just because the person never actually wanted to come in the first place. And I was like, I knew that she was going to gut feeling. I knew she was cancelled and didn't want to come at all. I wish she just told me to begin with, you know? Um, And I think that it just comes back to like, we don't want to disappoint people. And so we do have that thing in the back of our head. We're like, oh, maybe I will go and I'll be, do the right thing. But nothing's the right thing. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's okay to say no. All right. Next up. 27, journaling can be helpful and doesn't have to be like a dear diary and it doesn't have to be consistent. I always thought that journaling had to be like, dear diary, today I was sad and then tomorrow I have to write it again and the next day I have to write it again. It's not like that for me. So that's not what that's not a lesson that I've learned. The lesson I've learned is that sometimes I'll just be like, I, I'm feeling jealous. Why am I feeling that way? what happened when I felt that emotion, like whatever it is. I don't that was a really random thing for me to even say, but I was just trying to give it, I'll just start writing. It doesn't have to be dear anything. I'll just write a word or an emotion that I'm feeling and be like, why question mark and then keep writing. And I might not write for another month. And then I might come back in two days and I might come back in two months. I just do it when I need it. And I think that that's important because people get afraid of habits sometimes I did. And I thought like, there's no way I can keep up with a daily diary or a daily journal. I can't do that. And I read this whole book on the morning pages and how beneficial it is. And I got myself into this like, oh, I need to do this morning pages. You write three full pages, A4 pages of writing every single morning. And it kind of scared me off because I was like, I don't know if I can keep up that consistency. It's a lot. And so I just never ended up doing it. But then when I said to myself, you journal when you want to journal, 
Don't do it if you don't want to do it. And I just do it now when I feel I need it. And that's been really helpful. So for me, it's like a game changer because it's been so helpful for me to process my emotions, but I only do it at the time that I need it. And if journaling for you is what you want to do every day, that's fantastic. But if for you, it's a bit of a scary, like, oh God, I don't think I have enough to say every day, then don't just do it when you need it. Number 28, having a signature drink is a game changer. I've never really had a signature drink. I have to look at every menu and I'm like, oh, I don't know. What do I want? And because now my signature drink is a margarita, every place does those. I'm a little bit annoying because I have to ask them to not add Contro or triple sec. So I'm a little bit like one of those annoying people that's like, can I get this, but can I change it for this? But regardless, I know that there's going to be a margarita pretty much on every menu. And so having that kind of signature drink that's your go-to has been so good for me. And I only found it this time last year at my birthday last year when my friend Ash made me a coconut margarita and she did it where I wasn't allergic to it and she showed me how she made it. And since then, I've been drinking it every time I go out. That's if I'm going to drink. That's my go-to drink. It's been like bloody freeing. It's like, this is what I know I have. The stress comes off. Whereas before I was always like, oh, I don't know. What do I feel like? What am I going to have? Because I was always just trying to choose something off their cocktail list. And I realized like you can ask for cocktails that aren't on the list if they're like kind of a standard drink and a margarita is. So I bloody get it everywhere I go. Number 29, you don't have to be happy every single day. Emotions can go up and down and that's okay. I don't like to look at my emotions as good or bad emotions. I just think that it's important to not get stuck in those emotions that can make you have like a negative mindset. So if I'm feeling stressed, if I'm feeling angry, if I'm feeling sad, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, whatever it is, those emotions that we typically associate with like bad emotions, if I'm feeling those, I try to honor that. Whatever I'm feeling, I try to honor it respect it. And if it's a typical, like what people say is a bad emotion, I try to then be like, okay, that's okay. You're allowed to be sad, but I'm not going to let it control me. And I sit with it for the day and then I journal about it to then process it and move on. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but I don't allow it to control my life in that way. And, you know, it's, I'm just doing these like quick little tips. So it's hard for me to get into it, but I think that it's important to really like reflect and know that it's not realistic for us to think that we're going to be on top of the world every single day. What goes up must come down. And so some days you're going to be really happy and some days you're not going to be happy. And that's okay. As long as you're not really low all the time, a roller coaster of ups and downs is normal. It is life to obviously when you're at the extremes, if you're like, we're talking like one day you're on top of the world, the next day you're heavily depressed. Those are the kinds of things that you probably do need to speak to a professional. But if you are just feeling some days, you know, you're just a little off, you're feeling flat and the next day you're having a great day. That's okay. It's all normal. I think we need to take a bit more pressure off feeling like bad about our emotions and just try to understand them a little bit more, honor them, and then process them. I I know that's like a big topic that I've just kind of tried to cover very simply, but yeah, just that's the basic gist that um, it's okay that not every day is peak happiness. Number 30, check in on your strong friends. I found that because I have a brave face and I mean, it's not necessarily just a brave face. I am pretty strong in most circumstances to do with this cancer stuff, um, that I do find that sometimes my friends forget to check in on me because I'm the strong friend. 
Um, and I always try to make an effort with my friends who seem like everything's going well to check in on them because they're often the ones that they won't tell you everything that's happening because they are able to maybe process a little bit better and be a bit stronger, but there's still a lot of shit that they're going through and they do need to be checked in on compared to your friends who are more probably visibly upset over things. And that's the person that we always check on the most, you know, it's like Sally's been crying all week and so upset and she's not eating properly. Everyone checks in on Sally, but nobody checks in on the high functioning Laura who's, you know, going through a breakup, but she seemed like she's okay. She's going to work every day and maybe she's just distracting herself, but she does still need someone to talk to. So check in on your strong friends. Number 31, there's nothing wrong with staying home on the weekends. There is so much pressure to go out and have a social life on the weekend. What are you doing this weekend? Nobody asks what you're doing this week, during the week. Everyone asks what you're doing this weekend. There's just so much pressure to have plans. It's like nothing, just staying at home. Oh, you should go out and do something. I don't want to. And I'm not going to lie. During um, isolation last year when we were in quarantine for three months in Queensland, nobody asked me what I was doing on the weekend. It was bloody freeing. It's like, thank God no one's asking me what I'm doing because we all know what we're doing. All of us are doing nothing and it was okay. Why can't it just be okay now? You know, the thing with me is, is that a lot of my friends have kids. And so I do things during the week. Like I did something Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night this week out of like the weekdays and Friday night, but I'm counting that as a weekend. Um, and so because my friends have families, they do stuff with their families on the weekends. So on the weekend, I'm pretty low key. I like to kind of get all my stuff done during the week. And then on the weekend, I can kind of just relax. But there's so much pressure that I'm supposed to be out having like a party fun time. And you know what? It's okay if I don't do that. All right. I'm doing nothing. And that's what makes me happy. All right. Number 32. Have a strategy for dealing with stress. Have a toolbox, know your triggers. I've talked about this before. And for me, journaling, processing my emotions, listening to music for my form of meditation, taking that time to understand what's happening with me, venting to my friends, um, all of these things are things that I have in my toolbox for when I'm dealing with stress, Um, you know, making lists, getting in control of my time management, all of that stuff really helps me. And I know my triggers. So if you are somebody that can go through ups and downs and have hard times regularly, um, or if you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed, it's really important to sit down and go, just do it today. What actually is in my toolbox for when I am feeling stressed and overwhelmed? Write little notes in your phone if you have to, the notes on your phone app, write it down. And in a few weeks when you're having a hard time, open up that and be like, let's go through and pull out the tool that I need today to help me get through this. And it's okay. We all need our toolbox. I actually learned that term toolbox from Emily Skye. It's something that she always talks about. I have my toolbox for her mental health and I really liked that. So I stole it. Now it's one of my lessons. <laughs> Number 33, learning to not hold on to things is bliss. Forgiveness is actually a gift to yourself. I am just like, I'm I'm a big uh, forgiver and like letting things go. Like I'll never forget, but I'll let it go. And I just think it's just such a weight off me. You know, like, yeah, that person might not have said sorry and I could hold on to it until I die, but what's that going to achieve? I'll just be angry forever and that person doesn't give a shit about me anyway. So what? what's that? Oh, my God. Another saying I can't remember, it's like ex- drinking poison yourself and expecting the other person to die or get sick, whatever that saying is. That's what 
it's like, or even that other saying from Confucius, which is before you embark on a journey of revenge, be, dig two graves, because it's so true. When you don't let something go or allow forgiveness to happen, it's you. You're the one holding on to all that stress and tension. So forgiveness is actually a gift to yourself. Number 34, an air fryer is hands down the best kitchen device. It is. What is it? A kitchen appliance, not a device. It's the best. I, I, I'm not going to, you can't sway me in any other way. All right. No explanation needed. Get yourself an air fryer. And finally, number 35, you don't need a special occasion to do something special. I'm loving this trend on TikTok at the moment that is like about romanticizing your life. There's a viral TikTok sound that's like this person speaking saying, you have to start romanticizing your life. You have to start thinking of yourself as the main character because if you don't, life will continue to pass you by and all the little things that make it so beautiful will continue to go unnoticed. So take a second and look around. It's like so like cliche, but it's wonderful. Don't wait for a special occasion to do something nice. You know, like go out for a nice dinner, you know, go for a picnic at Burley Hill. I still need to do that. I go for picnics other places, but not Burley Hill. Put Pop on a candle, you know, just when you're just cleaning around the house. Don't wait for like when people come over to make it nice. Just pop on a candle when you're just at home doing your own shit. Do those little things for yourself because it is really important, I think, to make every day have something little and special. You know, if you're having a hot chocolate, get yourself that marshmallow, that extra marshmallow, just it's those little things. Oh, my God, everyone is like laughing at me now thinking like, why the fuck is Courtney talking about adding marshmallows to a hot chocolate? I'm a bit obsessed with marshmallows and hot chocolate at the minute, not going to lie. Can you tell? Um, but yeah, that romanticizing your life and making yourself the main character. I love that energy. It's just like really noticing those little things and taking that time. I mean, the TikTok videos are ridiculous that you see around with it. It's like people like slow motion cracking eggs and making an omelet or whatever it is. But even like, you know, instead of just making Vegemite on toast the other day I made, I took a little bit more extra time and I cooked, roasted some tomatoes and put ricotta on toast. And I felt like I was in a bloody cafe. Didn't even need to go to Tarte that weekend because I got my fill of a nice breakfast. I just felt special at home. It just felt really good. Having a bath, treating myself just felt really nice. Just do these little things. Don't wait for a special occasion to do it. Do it now. All right. Well, that is my 35 lessons. Let's finish off with my attitude of gratitude. Today, because it's my birthday week, I am thankful for all my family and friends. I'm going to be celebrating my birthday um, this weekend up in Brisbane with my friends. We're going shopping, drinking cocktails, having yummy food. And I'm just so grateful for all the wonderful people, so supportive people that I have in my life. And at the moment, I'm on like a journey to like do the things, you know, I want to be happy. I want to be living each day, feeling really good. I'm really trying to notice that I'm making a considered effort to have a good time, say yes to more things, get out of my comfort zone, do things because I don't know how long I have on this earth, but none of us do. And so my friends are being really good about it. They're joining me on the journey when I'm saying, let's go do this. They're saying yes. Whereas before they might've been like, oh, I can't be bothered. But now everyone wants to, you know, my friends are being so good about helping me do things and we're all having a great time together. So tonight I'm going to trivia with some of my friends. I'm really excited. And I was like, oh, a midweek trivia. It's a bit late. I might be tired. You know what? No, I'm going to go out and have some fun. I love trivia. It's going to be a great night. I'm just really excited. And my friends are coming along with me. They're being troopers. And I really appreciate that. All right, let's finish with the thought of the week. What day is it? Asked Winnie the Pooh. It's today. 
squeaked Piglet. My favourite day, said Pooh. A.A. Milne. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Remember to protect the skin you're in. Follow me on Instagram at Courtney Mangan and at She Was The Fire. Subscribe and share. Bye.